Well, hello. Welcome back to session six. The last time we met, I was speaking to you on chapter one, the angels chapter. And this time I get another uh, tricky little section about some tough love that has some sticky verses for believers. And so I'm gonna be honest with you. Today is another difficult passage of scripture. Um, and ladies, I've had to remind myself as I've been working on this, that it's not up to me to understand these challenging bits of scripture. It's not by coincidence that these passages were assigned to me to teach. God has ordained this. And so it's the Holy Spirit that works in me and it's the Holy Spirit that works in my heart to help me try to understand what he's saying. And it's the same for you. The Holy Spirit is with you right now. So I wanna encourage you to keep this up. Don't stop, you've been doing so well. And don't skim over these sticky sections. Don't put them down completely, but just ask the Holy Spirit to give you understanding and to open your eyes because he desires so much for you. We know from 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. So even these hard to understand parts are profitable to us. They're useful to teach us what is true and God uses them to prepare us and equip us. So let's invite the Holy Spirit into this time before we dive in. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you so much for your word. God, I ask that my thoughts and my words be pleasing to you, God, that you would be glorified. And God, just that your spirit would be with us and help us as we come through your scripture, God, and just understand the message that you have for us. We ask these things in your name. Amen. So by now, you've probably picked up on the fact that the book of Hebrews is a book of warnings. When we've looked at the context of this book, we saw that the original audience was a little discouraged and disheartened. They'd gone through some hard times and they needed to be encouraged and comforted, but they also needed to be warned. They needed to be reminded of the consequences of walking away from a life with Jesus. Now we've seen some of these warnings already. In chapter two, the author had warned the audience about neglecting their salvation. In chapter three, the author warned against um, hardening their hearts against the Lord. Today in our verses, the author is going to warn about apostasy. And we're gonna break this section of scripture down into three different sections. So our first section is gonna cover chapter five, verses 11 through chapter six, verse three. And in these verses, we're gonna be talking about milk versus spiritual food and spiritually infants versus spiritually mature. Our second section is gonna cover chapter six, verses four through eight. And that's where our warning is gonna come in. And the author also adds in a, an illustration to kind of help expand on that warning. And lastly, our third section we're gonna wrap up with today is gonna to cover chapter six, verses nine through 12. And this is where he's gonna end with some encouragement after these words of hard love. So since we are talking about warnings today, I felt that it was appropriate as we're talking to include some checkpoints in here. And my prayer is that you will see this main truth that Jesus is our true salvation. So let's start with section one here. Let's talk about some warnings. I'm gonna put some images up that I want you to take a minute to look over. So here's our first image. It says, when the Holy Spirit has given you everything you need to succeed, but you still try to do it alone. So we see this guy, he's got his sunglasses and his hat on backwards, and he's still trying 
hard to see through the bright light. Sounds just like us. In this next picture, we've got our polar bear who slipped on some ice right in front of the sign that says, watch for ice. And then my favorite. We've got this cliff. It's got all these signs building up to it. Yield, stop, danger, warning, beware. And as the cows are driving over the edge, falling down, they're saying, no one could have predicted this. If you have children, you could probably feel those images in your bones. How many warnings do we give our children every day? Don't touch, that's hot. Don't run, it's slippery. That's sharp. Make sure you put on sunscreen. You don't want to get sunburnt. And yet, how many boo-boos do we kiss and patch up every single day because they just don't listen? God has blessed me with two highly independent, sassy little, little darlings and one easygoing, eager-to-please angel. Now, our angel baby has always been uh, an easy transitioner. She's transitioned smoothly. She's very cautious and thorough. Our other two are little impulsive balls of energy. They act first and then they think later. So like we could tell our oldest daughter, don't touch that, that's hot, and she won't go within three feet of the thing we're warning her about. If we tell our middle daughter, don't touch that, that's hot, she'll touch the thing and then turn right around with a burnt finger and say, it wasn't that hot. And then our youngest daughter will have already touched the thing you were warning her not to touch and then turn back at you with a burnt finger like you betrayed her, like, mom, why didn't you warn me? That's the idea that I get when I'm reading through Hebrews. This author is trying to warn his audience from danger and he's trying to give them instructions on a better way. And he's begging them, listen to me, I can help you. So for our first section of scripture, let's dig into these first three verses of our text. Hebrews 5 verses 11 through 14. It says this, about this, we have much to say it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the world of righteousness, since he is a child, but with solid food is for the mature, for those who have the powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Verse 11 says this, about this we have much to say. About this, he's referring back to this conversation that was started earlier in chapter five about Melchizedek. And the author is saying that he would like to go deeper into this more challenging topic about this king and high priest from the Old Testament. However, the author can't because the original audience is still struggling with just basic teachings. Now, we know that headings and titles are not divinely inspired, but I do find them helpful. For instance, in the ESV section, uh, this section is titled, Warning Against Apostasy. In the NIV, it's titled, Warning Against Falling Away. The CSB titles this section, The Problem of Immaturity. Now, when I did my initial read-through of this section and I was making my annotations, I circled the word apostasy because that wasn't a word I was completely familiar with. And the language in scripture can be like that. There are often times that I'll read a word that maybe I have a vague idea of or from the context I can kind of get a meaning of it, but I really don't know the word that well. And when that happens, that is the perfect time to use that definitions or word study tool. 
So the fact that the phrasing around this says warning against apostasy, I can deduce that this is probably not a positive thing. But since I don't know for sure what it means, I looked up the word and I found out that apostasy is defined as an unbelieving and self-willed movement away from God. The Oxford Dictionary defined it as the abandonment or renunciation of a religious or political belief. Okay, so now I have a better idea of what, the, what I'm reading here. The author is warning his audience about willfully walking away from the faith. So that gives a little more clarity, especially when he goes on to say, about this we have much to say, but it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Now again, when I first read that, dull of hearing to me sounds like a hearing impairment, like they're hard of hearing. But I wanted to know exactly what the author is saying. So I went to the Blue Letter Bible and I was searching Hebrews 5.11 and I found that the original Greek word here was nothros. And it's an adjective that means slow or sluggish. In the literal sense, it means lazy. It's the same verse that it's the same word that the author is going to use again later in chapter 6, verse 12, when he says, so that you may not be nothros or sluggish, but be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So the author is saying, about this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become lazy. So this tells me the author is not talking about a hearing impairment. The author is implying a laziness and unwillingness on their part to learn. Now, do not understand, misunderstand this message. There's conversations and concepts in the scripture that are difficult. And the author is not faulting this Hebrew audience for not understanding. The rebuke is because of their lack of trying. This dullness of hearing, this laziness is the same problem that the author had said the ancient Israelites had back in chapter 4. When talking about the ancient Israelites, the author said, for good news came to us, just as to them, the Israelites. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith, those who listened. The ancient Israelites heard God's promises, but they didn't have faith. And now this is happening in this young Hebrew church, and the author is trying to warn them away from it. They've heard with dullness. The opposite of hearing with dullness is to hear with faith. To hear with faith produces obedience. And what the author is referring to, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again. The author is saying you should have the kind of faith that produces moral fruit. You ought to be teachers yourselves, whether in public or in private. But again, instead, you have to be taught all over again these same principles. The second part of verse 12 says you need milk, not solid food. Now understand, this is not a put down. The author is not calling the Hebrews a big bunch of babies. He's not being derogatory. The author is using a metaphor. Milk is healthy. Milk is good. It is a necessary thing for us. In fact, 1 Peter 2.2 tells us to crave or desire milk like a newborn baby. But the point is, babies do not live off of milk forever. They grow and they develop. They begin eating solid foods. Their bodies learn to digest these foods. In fact, it's unhealthy to try to survive only on milk. Milk itself is not bad, but milk is just a stepping stone. It's not meant to be all that we live off of. And so here's my first checkpoint for us today in these warnings. Have you become a spiritual babe? 
And there's four things to look at. First off, is that babies are just handed off from one person to another. My sister-in-law just had a precious little baby boy, and we always fight when we get together over who gets more baby holding time. The mother-in-law, the mom, me, the other aunts, we all wanna hold this precious little bundle, and he has no say in where he goes. He just gets handed from one set of loving arms to the next. Well, Ephesians 4, 14 warns about what this looks like in believers. It says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. Are we just being handed off to the next best lesson, the next flashy teacher? Secondly, babies are possessive in their living. As soon as they start speaking, their words are no and mine. It says, my toy, my bed, my blanket. Is that how we're treating our faith? This is my pastor. This is my denomination. This is my small group. Are we being possessive? Thirdly, babies are solely focused on their mothers. They are starstruck by their mothers. No matter how much they're shifted from arm to arm to arm, their eyes stay glued on their moms, don't they? Spiritual babes focus on humans. The Corinthian church struggled with this, and in fact, Paul confronted it head on in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. He tells them, each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Paulus, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? We are not to be starstruck by these human communicators. Praise God for their skill and their talent, but it is a gift from God alone. Are we starstruck by people? And lastly, babies are easily cranky and fussy. It is very quick for them to be overstimulated by too hot, too cold, too much light, too much sound, right? Are we fussy? We didn't like that music today. The message just didn't do it for me. I could not get past that woman behind me and her strong perfume. Are we fussy? Are we cranky? Now, don't misunderstand the author here. New believers are not expected to just know these things the moment they say a prayer. But the audience of this letter had clearly been believers for some time at this point, and they had not been exercising their faith and growing it stronger. What I mean by exercising their faith is to practice it to study the scripture, to spend time in prayer, to spend time talking out your faith. In fact, the Amplified Version for four, verse 14 reads like this. Solid food is for the spiritually mature, whose senses are trained by practice to distinguish what is morally good and what is evil. It takes practice to grow, and we forget the things that we do not practice. Believe it or not, I learned how to play the piano as a young child. My mom was a music teacher and a concert pianist, and I grew up around the piano. I played in concerts, I played in competitions, all the way up through elementary school. But I, at 38, I haven't touched a piano in probably a solid 20 years, and I couldn't play a single melody if I had to. If you put a sheet of music in front of me, I could not read it to save my life because I have not practiced. 
we, we lose what we don't practice. We forget what we don't practice. We have to practice our faith, exercise our faith to grow it. Now in section one here, this author is talking about solid food versus milk. And so sometimes we wonder, well, what is that solid food? If, if we have to be having this to grow and develop, then what is this? Well, he starts by explaining to us what milk is. Chapter six, verses one and two says this, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings and the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Milk is just the basic doctrine of salvation, that we are sinners and we cannot save ourselves, that in our natural state, we face eternal damnation away from God for eternity, that we must repent of our sins and believe in Jesus, that there is an afterlife and that if we choose to repent from our sins and believe in Jesus Christ, we will spend that afterlife in eternity with heaven and that there is power in prayer and we can pray for the sick knowing that God hears us and that he cares. These are those basic tenets, those basic doctrines that we learn as new believers. Now again, remember new believers are not just expected to know these things, but we practice them. Again, we practice them through reading scripture, through studying it just like you're doing right now, by going to church, by listening to sermons, by spending more time with other believers who can help sharpen you. But these things must be done in faith. These are not just practices to check off a checkbox. Okay, but they're done in humble faith. And that brings me to my second checkpoint in our warnings today. How have you practiced your faith lately? What are you doing to build those faith muscles? What I'd like you to do is to stop right now and write down two ways that you're going to start or continue growing your faith right now. We are already studying this scripture together, so write that down and keep it going. But what's something else you can do? Maybe getting plugged into a local worship gathering. Maybe listening to sermons on a podcast. Spending time with other believers or share something that God has done with, for you lately with someone else. How are you going to practice your faith? Now this leads us into our second section. Hebrews 6, 4 through 8. This is our warning. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm, holding him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless, near to being cursed and its end is to be burned. The emphatic word here is impossible. Not it's really hard, or it's kind of difficult, it is impossible. Hebrews 6.18 uses this word impossible. He says, it's impossible for God to lie. Hebrews 10.4, the author says, it is impossible 
for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Hebrews 11.6 says it is impossible to please God without faith. It is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come. The author is warning here that there is a happiness that kills and it can look a lot like salvation. You can be enlightened, literally meaning you can have a new light shown on your heart and mind, but not submit. You can experience the Holy Spirit and not be indwelt with the Holy Spirit. The situation that the author is describing in verses four through six can be troubling. As I said before, it can, it's been the source of some debate and confusion. But remember, whenever we come across a challenging section of scripture that maybe seems to contradict other parts of the Bible, we need to hold it up against the rest of scripture. Now, verses four through six represent this situation of someone who's been enlightened, meaning they've had some sort of religious experience. They've experienced that intoxicating high of believing in something greater than themselves, of being welcomed into part of the family of God and having this purpose and a hope. But then that same person turned away and willfully went back to their life of habitual sin. And by doing so, that person is essentially crucifying Christ all over again. So the author here is saying that it's impossible for that person to be renewed to repentance. That is both challenging and scary. I firmly believe the scripture tells me that I cannot lose my salvation. And this is confirmed to me in multiple places of the Bible. Now, you don't have to turn here with me, but let me read through some of these scriptures with you. And I'm going to start off in Romans. In Romans chapter 8, verse 39, it says this, Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. That includes me. And I am often my own worst enemy. And I can't even separate myself from the love of the Lord. Let's look at one of John's letters. 1 John 5, 11 through 12. God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. And that's it, friends. That's the whole truth. Whoever has the Son has life. There's no dependent clause there. Period. You have the Son of God. You have life. There are so many different places in Scripture that I could take you, but I just want to show you one more. And I hope that during your homework this week, you were able to spend some time on this and maybe find some of these Scriptures for yourself. But in chapter or in uh, the book of John, in chapter 10, Jesus himself has some words for us. Verses 27 through 29. It says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hands. 
no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. I will tell you, I have strayed into some dark areas of my life. There are parts of my testimony that I have a really hard time speaking about. But even after coming to Christ, I still struggled. I still strayed. And there was a time that I thought I had strayed too far. I thought this was it. I had, there was no recovering. And this verse was given to me. And it was a reminder that I'm not that strong. I cannot ruin God's plan for me. I read these verses and I know that scripture is telling me I cannot lose something that I didn't earn in the first place. God will not turn away a repentant heart. So then what is Hebrews 6 saying when it's talking about it's impossible for this person? Well, let's look at another section of scripture that has also been a source of kind of some debate and confusion about saved, unsaved, losing one's salvation. Turn with me to Matthew 13. Jesus is sharing a parable here in Matthew 13 about a sower. So Matthew 13 verses 3 through 8 say this. A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed some, seeds fell along the path. The birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky soil where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So let's zoom in here on verses five through six. These other seeds that fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately sprang up since they had no soil of depth, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Those seeds in verse 5 were planted just the same as all the other seeds. They sprang up into plants, but they had no roots. There was apparent growth, but it wasn't real growth. It was superficial growth. That's how a person could be enlightened. Maybe they've had this religious experience. They've gone to a revival or a conference They've experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit, but it didn't take root in their heart. You want to know what that looks like? Look in Matthew 23 at the Pharisees. They prayed impressive prayers. They tithed fully and consistently. They honored religious traditions. They even practiced fasting regularly. I mean, they did some great things, and they had to have had some sort of religious experience because we know that they were good communicators, that they were even maybe some amazing teachers, but they had no roots and they did not fully submit their hearts and their lives to Christ, so they withered away. Now, ladies, listen to this carefully. We will all face temptation and we all sin. This author is talking about someone who willfully turns away, whose rebellious heart does not bend in submission to Christ. Someone who may look the part on the outside, but they have not changed in here where God looks, not where man looks. The author is not describing someone who's fallen into sin, but is trying to repent. God will never turn away a humble and repentant heart. 
These verses are describing someone who willfully chooses to knowingly make a decision to turn away from the offer of hope that was given to them. That's how they were crucifying the Son of God once again. Scripture tells us that Jesus died on the cross to sanctify our sins. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins and his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. When someone willingly turns their back on the holiness and purity that God has called us to, they are saying yes to the unholiness and the impurity that nailed Jesus to the cross in the first place. They are choosing the pleasures of this world over the blessings of Christ's death on the cross. God does not reject genuine repentance. I'm living proof. In my life, I have come within inches of losing everything, but because I was indwelt with the Holy Spirit, because I had given my life in submission, that even when it appeared like I had gone too far, the moment that I repented from my sins, in that moment, God forgave me and restored me. God does not for, turn away genuine repentance. So let's wrap up this section by looking at these verses here, seven and eight, that give this illustration of this plant. It says, for land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. So this is not describing land that was once fruitful and then has stopped. It's talking about land that was never fruitful. It bore thorns and thistles. Have you ever read a passage like this and it just kind of circles around in your head? Maybe you start to feel this knot form in your stomach and you're wondering, is this me? Are they talking about me? How can I know for sure that I'm saved? Ladies, when you trust in Jesus Christ, your life is different and it starts in here. It starts in your heart. So this is my third checkpoint with this warning. What does it look like if I've trusted Jesus? Well, ask yourself, am I more humble? Am I more loving towards others? Am I producing any fruit? Do I talk to God continually through prayer? Do I hunger to know more? Because when you trust in Jesus, yes, your day-to-day -day life will look different. You should be attending a regular worship gathering. You should be generous in your giving. You should be eager to help others around you. But are you different in here? Is the reason behind your actions different? When we place Christ as the Lord of our lives, we humble ourselves before God and others. We model ourselves after Christ and we find ourselves becoming more graceful in our thoughts and our actions and our attitudes. If you have put your trust in Christ, but maybe somewhere down the road, you fell into a pattern of sin. You strayed into a sin area that you're too ashamed to even put into words. It is never too late. It is not too late. And we see this all through scripture. Psalm 51, 17 says, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Isaiah 66, 2 says, this is the one to whom I will look. 
He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. 1 John 1, 9 promises us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus loves you. God loves you. Confess your sins and repent. Jesus is waiting. Jesus is the only way to true salvation. Church attendance and good works will not get you into heaven. Jesus is our only true salvation. It is impossible if you have not had that true experience. So this leads us into our third and final section. The author's been delivering some sharp words today, and these warnings are not to be taken lightly. But at the end, he offers some words of encouragement to his audience. Hebrews 6, 9 through 12 says, Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation, for God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The author's been handing out some strong warnings, some urgent words, but then the author softens here in verse nine, in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. The author is communicating to this Hebrew audience that they really do believe that this audience is saved. The author is acknowledging their works, but more importantly, the love that they have shown. And as such, the author wants them to remember that salvation brings us better things. Genuine salvation is always accompanied by visible evidence. Verse 10 says, God is not unjust. Remember from our context at the beginning, this audience has suffered. They have been hurting for their faith. The Hebrew church needed assurance that their faith and their suffering was not in vain. And the author reminds them of that certain hope they have of inheriting God's promises. Genuine salvation will not lead to apostasy and fruitlessness. Continuing in good deeds is not the source of our faith. It's the evidence of our faith. As we become imitators of faith and the patience that we have seen in the fathers of our faith. Now ladies, let's be honest. Some sections of scripture are, are light and kind of easy to digest. I could read the book of Ruth over and over and over again. This is not one of those passages. This week's passage has warnings in it that scare the ever daylights out of me. And it ought to terrify you too. Because yes, sisters, God is love and Jesus loves you. And yes, we ought to throw the best parties because as believers, we have the only true and lasting source of joy. But may we never forget this healthy dose of fear of the seriousness that is at stake. May it never be said of us that we were so flippant with this Christ being our highest joy in our salvation. May we always put all of our hope and all of our faith in Christ as the only source of our salvation and hope. Because when we anchor our hope into the firm foundation of Jesus, He will never let us go. Jesus is our only true salvation.